You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. This is Claire. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. Like I said, my name is Claire. I am the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at the American Council of the Blind. And this is Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. Thank you to everyone who is listening to this via ACB Radio or via your favorite podcast player. And as always, you can learn more about ACB at acb.org. Perfect. Um, so we're really excited to have a guest this week on our uh, on this episode of our podcast. Um, and our guest, um, we love him. We know him. He's also a member of ACB. So if you want to find out more about membership, uh, of ACB, go to our website as well. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I, I feel like no introduction would be good enough. So Mark, <laughs> tell us who you are. <laughs> well, you, that's very, very kind of you. Um, that's very nice. So my name is Mark Reichert and I currently serve. I'm honored to say, and it, it still gets me a little choked up. So I'm just going to kind of blast through this if I can. But uh, this summer, the membership voted me uh, in a as first vice president of the American Council of the Blind. And that, and that just really means a lot. Um, I've been involved in ACB pretty much my entire adult life and then some in various volunteer capacities over the years. Uh, I, I, I hope that, that people don't think I'm bragging when I do this uh, because I don't mean it that way. In, I think it was 1996, a guy wasn't making a whole lot of money, but <laughs> I uh, was uh, really just just so impressed by what I saw as ACB's drive and to want to do amazing things for folks who are blind or visually impaired of all ages. And um, like I have said in a number of different forums, I think, I mean, there are a lot of organizations in the blindness system and the blindness community that have a lot, uh, a lot of resources. And um, I will brag on our current staff and leadership uh, for the amazing transformative uh, posture that ACB has been in now for some time in terms of beefing up our resources and our muscle, if you will. But the, the truth is that, that, that relatively speaking, there are a lot of organizations that have you know, a ton of resources. And yet in 1996, there was an organization that was doing a ton and moving mountains um, with not a whole lot of resources. And, and so there was uh, a life membership on offer. Uh, people were being encouraged to plunk down a thousand bucks to become a life member of the, of the ACB. And I couldn't really afford it, but I did it anyway. I had to do it in, in, in installments. And uh, it was the best decision I ever made. And so why did I do that? Because because I believe in ACB. And uh, I've never met a, a group of blind or visually impaired men and women of all ages who understand that there isn't a one-size-fits-all attitude about what it means to be blind and mm -hmm. uh and i'm just so pleased to be a part of it so that's what that that's that's, that's my acb background served on the resolutions committee uh for which is what we're here events. to talk about about yeah. specifically so yeah yes. and we've been i've been part of that for uh since, since about that whole length of time i think my first resolutions committee uh, participation was in 1996, I believe. 
in any case, and then for the last seven years, I've been the resolutions committee chair. And uh, maybe it's because, you know, through subliminal communication over the last seven years, I've managed to sweet talk the membership into electing me as first vice president <laughs> as I'm up there reading uh, copies of resolutions up there. And then the final thing I'll say, and then I will shut up, Claire, is uh, that professionally, you know, for for many, many years, easily 25 years, I worked in various organizations of and for people who are blind or visually impaired, including the American Council of the Blind, who I worked for for not that long. It was about 15 months. And the reason why it ended up being so short is because uh, both ECB was going through some transitioning at that time, but then also a good friend of mine, uh, who a number of your, our listeners may know, gentleman by the name of Scott Marshall, who worked at the American Foundation for the Blind, invited me to do a governmental affairs or public policy role with him. And so I moved over there. And in any case, uh, done, done work for blindness groups for a long time. And then most recently have listened to an organization called National Disability Institute or NDI. And uh, I hope over the course of time, as I continue to grow in my experience, <coughs> excuse me, working with NDI, uh, hopefully, um, the blindness and vision impairment community will learn a lot more about what NDI does, uh, particularly around these things called ABLE accounts. And we did a presentation about that. Uh, I did uh, at the general session of our uh, ACB National Conference and Convention this past summer. And I know we've done other presentations about it. Tony Stevens has done other presentations about it. A lot more we need to talk about ABLE accounts at some other point. But anyway, that's, that's me in probably a bigger nutshell than you were hoping I would, uh, I would give you. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for that background and to learn a little bit more about who you are and what you're up to. Um, I'm sure we're going to pull you back on this podcast again, so it's great to get to know who you are. Um, so you were talking a little bit about your experience with the Resolutions Committee. That's what we want to talk about. If I do the math correctly, you said since 96, so that's 23 years of involvement with the Resolutions Committee. <laughs> yeah. um, so with your great wealth of knowledge, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, our members, know what the Resolutions Committee is, but just in case they don't, can you talk a little bit about what is a resolution? Why does ACB every summer draft these things called resolutions, and what are they all about? Well, it's an excellent question because a lot of people think that there's some kind of, you know, grand mystique uh, about <laughs> resolutions, particularly if you're a nerd. If you are a nerd, then you do think that there is a grand mystique about resolutions. If you're not a nerd and you're a rank and file member of the convention, and if you particularly come to the conventions because you have, you know, specific interests and you're very, uh, you know, you want to be just sort of generally involved, sometimes, you know, you hear the word resolutions and you think, oh my goodness, buddy, at some microphone at the in front of the stage there at the dais uh, reads a far too long document with a lot of complexity to it that sounds bone dry and, and, and doesn't mean anything. So let me try to create a happy medium between those of us who are avowed nerds and love, <laughs> love doing that kind of wordsmithing. And let's say the typical or whatever rank and file, if you will, member who, you know, maybe realizes that resolutions are important, but has other priorities at the convention. A resolution is nothing more and nothing less than a written statement of what ACB thinks and feels and wants to do about a particular issue. 
And that thing could be anything. It could be about uh, autonomous vehicles. It could be about voting. It could be about how we conduct ourselves at the conference and convention itself. It could be about expectations we place on each other for the way that we behave toward one another. It could be about uh, politics in America and the concerns that some of us may have, regardless of your political affiliation, uh, about how we think ACB thinks and feels about where the country is going. It could be really anything. But the point I want to make to you is that the, the reason that we call it a resolution and not just, let's say, a motion, if you will, from the floor, is that the whole point is that a resolution is a, a written document that sort of sets out, hopefully, articulately, you know, what it is that we think and feel about something and what we think we ought to do about it. You, at a typical business meeting, and if anybody, again, if you're a nerd and you like things like Robert's Rules of Order, you know, you'll look at how meetings are run and you'll say, you know, people can hop up and say, hi there, I, Ed, I move that we you know, take the following position that we think that autonomous vehicles ought to be uh, designed in this or that sort of way and that our staff ought to do certain things about making that happen and that our board of directors ought to do certain things. Now, when you jump up and make that motion from the floor, you're just there at a microphone. You're just there talking. And, and that's a motion. And then you vote on it like any other motion. Is there debate? Yes or no? Uh, all of that. The difference between that process and our resolutions process is that the, when you put it to writing, it gives a lot more context and, 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 and hopefully definition uh, and, frankly, justification for why it is we want to take the different positions that we want to take. So in ACB, any member of ACB can submit, rather than just hopping up from the floor and saying, hi there, I make a motion that X happened. Any ACD member can submit a resolution or something that looks like a resolution. You don't have to be the ultimate policy nerd to know exactly how to write it <laughs> in just the right way and realize that, you know, when you submit it, the word whereas every time you use it has to be in all caps or should be or something or how many times you have to use semicolons in between. You don't have to worry about any of that nonsense. The ultimate nerd. We make Mark do all that. Yeah, we, you know, the, those people, people who are into that sort of thing get to play with it. But any member can submit something that is essentially a, a written statement of what we think ACB should, think, uh, should declare that it thinks or feels or wants to do about something. And in ACB, there is no way to prevent a member, frankly, from having their issue heard because ACB is all about democracy. And we... And, and, and we are all about democracy with a capital D. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, so, and so there's no such thing as censorship. If somebody comes up with an idea, no matter where it may be on the, at the far left or the far right in the political spectrum, or even if, frankly, it's a little wacky, uh, they have the right to uh, propose that resolution and have it heard on the floor. Now, obviously what you want to do is to work with that person who has an idea and work mm -hmm. through, you know, how that, how they want to express themselves, yeah. work with them on all of that. And that's really the role of the resolutions committee is to work with a individual ACB members. And of course they could also come from state 
chapters uh, or affiliates, uh, special interest affiliates, for example, uh, if the teachers have a particular concern, that kind of thing, we work with them. So work with the maker of the resolution to kind of help them massage and wordsmith the document so that, frankly, it helps them make the best case possible. And we sometimes might even debate whether they ought to make that case. But the Resolutions Committee is, in, is not in a position to say to any member, uh, you do not, you're not bringing that. You're not bringing that thing to the floor. It's that's They have a right to do it. So the role of the Resolutions Committee, what? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think that's so cool that any Joe Schmo, quote unquote, from ACB can can put their idea out there and talk to the committee about what a resolution should talk, talk about. Because from our perspective, or at least my perspective, working here in the national office, we do what you guys tell us. You know, we want to know what's going on and what people are dealing with or experiencing throughout the U.S. So it's so great that you guys come to us with these issues because when a resolution passes, then people like Clark and myself in the national office, it, you know, it's part of our responsibility to help find solutions to these issues. And so it's so great to hear from you guys because I don't know what's going on in Alaska. I don't know what's going on in Mississippi. You know, so it's so great to hear from you guys. So just want to emphasize that for what Mark's saying. Well, it's, and that's you know, a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because, you know, when I say, you know, sometimes it can be the wackiest of ideas. The simple truth is, in the 20 some years that I've served in the resolutions committee, yeah, there have been a couple of ideas that when you talk about them afterwards, you think, what in the world were these people thinking? But but the reality of it is that hardly that hardly ever happens. Yeah. What you end up having are people who feel incredibly passionate about this or that issue, and so the way they've written their resolution may be a little bit extreme, where they say that they're morally outraged by what's happening. And you know what? More often than not, they have a right to be morally outraged mm -hmm. by what's happened. The simple truth is, though, the point of the resolutions committee process is to say to that person, we want to help you communicate that in a way that we know that will reflect, frankly, well on all of us in ACB as members and, and put the position that we're about to take in the best possible posture moving forward. And so sometimes that involves making compromises. We did that this past summer uh, and uh, uh, Claire, your colleague Clark, I think you were in the room for some of it anyway, uh, and I and others on the resolutions committee talked a little bit about that in the context of video, just of uh, audio description, as I'm trying to train myself to always refer to it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and why? Because the whole point was we were trying to protect uh, folks who are blind or visually impaired right to as much audio described content on TV as possible while balancing the relationships that we have assiduously tried to work on over the years with uh, uh, cable TV and the broadcasters and any number of other folk out there. And so it's important to, to talk through those things. So anyway, the last thing I'll say for a second is that, so let's say we go through that whole process. You, you do that debate. And then at some point, what does the resolutions committee do? Well, we can do a lot of things. We can say, well, you know what? We don't necessarily think that we're prepared to vote in favor or against this resolution, or that the membership should be asked to vote in favor or against this resolution. Because you know what, maybe maybe it's the kind of thing that talks about such a sensitive issue. Maybe it's about ACB staff, or maybe it's about uh, spending money, or it's a budget, ACB budget issue. So maybe sometimes we need to 
encourage the membership to refer the resolution to the ACB board or to another committee, something like that. But more often than not, our recommendation would be either to pass or not to pass the resolution. And all that that really is in ACB is just a statement on behalf of the resolutions committee that says, you know what, we have worked with the authors of the resolution, we've talked about it, debated it, and if we believe that this is something that merits the, the membership's approval, uh, based deliberative process, uh, then we will recommend a due pass. Uh, I, in 20 some years uh, of being on the committee, including when I've served as, as the, the chair of the committee, we've not done very many uh, do not pass recommendations. And, and quite honestly, because I'm middle-aged, I can't even remember right now a good example of a do not pass uh, recommendation um, at the moment. Should have, should have done more homework for you. But in any case, um, the, the, real, the real decision needs to be left with the membership. And when the resolutions committee makes that recommendation, it, it is nothing more and nothing less than just an opinion uh, of a group of people who stayed up probably far too late the night before working over the text of the resolution and then have said, you know, on balance, as we look at this, we think this is a good idea or we maybe don't think it's a good idea or we think that it actually still needs more work and that's why we want to refer it. And then ladies and gentlemen have the membership, that's our recommendation to you. And then the, the membership takes it up, votes on it, uh, debates it and votes on it like they do any other motion. So that's really mm -hmm. the process. That's great, thank you. That was a really great in-depth explanation. I think that's perfect. So. Yeah, Mark, thanks for um, mentioning the uh, audio description resolution and all that and all other resolutions from 2019 as well as previous ACB conventions are available on the ACB website at acb.org slash resolutions. Um, you can link to the year that you want to view right there. If you would like a direct link to the 2019 ACB resolutions, that would be acb.org slash resolutions 2019. Excellent. And let me also say, uh, so that people, our, our members especially, but anybody listening to this um, broadcast, podcast, this thing, this cool thing that we're doing, um, that one of the, the, the important dynamics in ACB is that um, the committee absolutely works hand in glove with the staff at the national office. Uh, whether it be my colleagues and friends here on this call, Clark and Claire, uh, or others uh, at the national level, including our executive director, Eric Bridges, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's not so much that we are taking our marching orders from staff. After all, this is the American Council of the Blind, and it's the members of the organization that run this bad boy. That's right. And don't, That's let, anybody, don't let anybody forget it. But I, but I, I will say to you, all joking aside, um, that the resolutions committee would be a group of fools uh, if if we and those of who've come before us and who come after us uh, aren't working hand in glove with the people that we have hired to be our uh, expert analysts who are are or should be up to speed on the details of the various issues that might come before us and uh, and so one of the things that we have always encouraged and I will tell you for the you know little 
tiny little smidge of time when I worked at ACB uh, in 97 and part of 98. Uh, and that summer being a staff member on the committee and not a, uh, not a member of the resolutions committee, you know, uh, sometimes the staff and the members that are part of that committee get to do a little thumb wrestling about, hey, why are we doing this, or what's this all about? And you know what? Uh, not only is that perfectly fine or okay, it's, 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 it's almost an expectation. Um, mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say it's a job requirement of the staff to be prepared, and that's tough. Um, sometimes you get a room full of people who are wound up uh, about a particular issue, and it takes it takes a, a person with a certain amount of fortitude to say, you know, uh, listen, ladies and gents, um, here's the latest. I just got off the phone with so-and-so. Here's what we need to do and to speak up. And, uh, and so I congratulate our current staff uh, for, for, having, having, for doing that, that work because that's what helps uh, make, it, uh, make, it, make it a dynamic process. And we need to be able to celebrate that and honor that uh, kind of frank dialogue, not only among the membership, but also the paid staff who uh, we're, we've asked to help us, you know, be our, our, our in-house experts. Mm. <laughs> I think we just got approval from that. that we did from a, yeah, a canine, a canine affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, not, not all dogs are as well behaved as those uh, working alongside ACB members. <laughs> That's right. So we could definitely be here all day if we talked about all of the different resolutions that we saw this summer, which was really exciting. Um, the, the committee did a great job um, pushing through resolutions. So we won't go through all of them because we have a limited amount of time. But do you want to pick one or two resolutions that passed this summer um, and just kind of give our listeners their example of issues that are timely right now um, and that you guys worked hard on to really polish the resolutions up? Um, a few of them are coming to mind um, that I could bring up, but what was what was one of your favorites, or what's coming to mind for you, Mark? Well, I mean, I I guess I've been harping on it a little bit and making making allusions to it, and it is the resolution that our committee did uh, to talk about the availability uh, of audio described content on television, particularly for those cable networks. Uh, and and Clark and you will correct me when I when I use the use the wrong term of art. See, it's funny, H having having now been away from a nine to five uh, <laughs> job in blindness for even six months, how the terms of art kind of just slip away because slip my away. <laughs> middle my middle aged brain is filling up with other terms of art that are different. But in any case, uh, don't you know, look uh, a day over twenty five to me, Mark. I just thought I'd let uh, you know. You know that's 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 what I say to myself when I look in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> I, I, I say that's that's there you go. He's still a still a kid at heart. Um, I so so in this particular resolution, it's really about you know should we or shouldn't we uh, work collaboratively with a particular uh, uh, cable network, popular network? Um, gee, uh, maybe the way that the current audio description rules apply. Um, should be modified in some fashion, or at least the way that they're applied to this particular context, especially if the network has a lot of, you know, repeat uh, programming and a lot of, you know, they repeat the shows a lot. Uh, we want to obviously balance the, no, let me back up. We obviously want to push as hard as we possibly can for 
as much audio described content on television as possible. I think we actually have a number of resolutions that uh, and it, I, we don't, it, it sounds like hyperbole, but we, we don't mean it to be. Uh, just like folks who are deaf or hard of hearing have near 100% captioning on uh, TV programming. Uh, hey, why not? Uh, people who are blind or visually impaired uh, enjoy, use, benefit from, and especially if the programming is educational in nature or otherwise pretty popular, absolutely uh, have a right to equal access to uh, that programming through audio description. And so let's talk about 100%. Anytime you turn on that tube or however you get your uh, TV programming here in the 21st century with whatever your favorite gizmo and et cetera, uh, of course, that, that, that stuff ought to be audio described. And yet we also know that um, just like the process for getting all the programs, you know, nearly 100% programs captioned, it's a process. And we don't have time to get into the, sort, the sorted saga of uh, how we've managed to get as far as we have with getting audio described content on television. But it's been a decade-long process with even uh, the folks going to court to try to stop us from doing it, which is just outrageous. But so when you have that kind of background, you say you want to do 100%, you want everything described, and there's been a lot of sort of, you know, tempers that have flared pretty significantly, including legally significantly over the course of time. Um, people have really strong feelings about it. On the other hand, um, you know, at some point you have to be able to live and work cooperatively and collaboratively with those players in the industry that are working in good faith. And by doing kind of good faith work, we as an organization also develop and maintain and grow our credibility as players. Uh, that are, these are people that, hey, people say, you know what, the American Council of the Blind, they're serious. We're to take them seriously. They mean what they say. They're tough, but they also are people that we can negotiate with and work with and come to some solutions. So one of the resolutions that we did tackled those issues, and I'd like to think that we did a pretty decent job, I think, of you know, trying to hold the line on, yes, absolutely, we need to see as much audio-described content as possible, while at the same time saying, yes, we recognize that there may be contexts in which um, we, need to be, uh, we, need, we need to show some flexibility. So that would be one mm -hmm. example. The other one that I'll, I'll just briefly mention since I took so long in answering that question uh, <laughs> no, it, is that we actually did a resolution about the resolutions process, which sounds hilarious. It's like, it's like uh, you know, uh, what? It sounds pretty circular that uh, you're, what? It's a resolution talking about resolutions? Yes, we actually did one of those. And why? Because I think we all recognize that for as critical as the resolutions process is in ACB, um, it could use some work. Um, it could use a, it could use a, uh, what? A face, a facelift, a tune-up. A facelift. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a better, a better thing than a facelift. That sounds kind of painful. <laughs> uh, but, but um, you know, perhaps a, uh, what we need is a, is a resolutions process for the 21st century, if you will. And because I think, quite frankly, it's a, it's a lot of content to read. There have been years when I think when we've calculated by the time it's all said and done, if you have, you know, between 20 and 30 resolutions of various sizes and lengths and topics, 
um, that's easily could be as much as 50, 60 pages worth of content Mm -hmm. that you're reading to people. And I don't care how entertaining it is or, you know, how funny I think I may be at a particular moment (laughs) to help help the medicine go down. That's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff for people to have to, to, to think through, listen to. Um, And uh, so anyway, so, so, so we did a resolution that was about, you know, how can we, uh, sort of reef top to bottom, not so much whether every member has the right to do a resolution. I think, you know, we certainly want to stick to our core values. It's really more a question of how we go about presenting them um, and how we report on them and, uh, and, and, and frankly tune up the process so that, so that the membership can frankly benefit from them as much as they possibly can. One of the things that we've done in the past, and I hope we do it more, uh, now with Mr. Dan Spoon being our new prez, um, is that I, I would love to see us do resolutions um, that are are queued up, right? We work on them in advance as much as we possibly can by mm-hmm. phone, the committee, and and then queue them up so that they are part of, that they are they are about subjects about which the membership is hearing presentations at the general session. For that day, we've done that a little bit in the past, but I think there there needs to be a much, frankly, more entertaining way of delivering them, but also more directly, uh, you know, there needs to be a a better correlation between what we do and when we do with them and the work of the organization, Mm -hmm. because, and I will, I will close with this, uh, (laughs) I really will, um, because I believe it. Um, and, and I don't care if it makes me sound like a cheesy nerd. Uh, the reality of it is, ECB um, is, is all about lifting up its members, the opinion of its members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The resolutions are a way for the membership to express their point of view. And uh, what, a better, what better way could there be um, after you hear a, a, a discussion or even a debate uh, at the National Conference and Convention during a general session about whatever it needs to be, payment of sub-minimum wages for people with disabilities or autonomous vehicles, audio description, education-related issues, healthcare, you name it, accessibility of websites or technology, whatever the thing is, talk about that stuff, have a discussion, and then put a statement in front of the membership so that as the folks who are sitting out there listening to all of that content have a chance to sort of think through that and say, you know what, we need to do something about this. And then... We give opportunity to do something about it by saying to them, you know what, you've heard this discussion and now it's your turn. We recognize that you don't have the time or maybe even the interest to spend a lot of time reading through statutes and regulations and all of this kind of boring stuff. That's what you pay your staff for. That's what you pay those of us who care about this stuff and are doing it professionally. Uh, that's, what you, that, that's why you have us. But you obviously care about this stuff very, very much. And you want to be going on the record in support of or to make sure people know that you're not, you know, you're mad as heck and you're not going to take it anymore. Well, that's where the resolutions process can kick in. And then we offer up something to the membership that's relevant to what they've just heard and give them an opportunity to weigh in. I, I, it, that's just one example among many of the kinds of things I think we need to look at. So those are my examples of resolutions. I think that I really was appreciative of seeing us move this summer. That's great. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, and Mark, I still don't know how you uh, slipped in the resolution to elect you as first vice president. I, I didn't, I don't remember that one coming before the committee, but gosh darn it, <laughs> you did vote on it. So here we are. Well, what, I, what, what was it that President George W. Bush referred to it as? Subliminal? So it was subliminal yeah. messaging? Uh, whatever it was, he said. Uh, but um, I, I uh, yeah, that was just. Uh, slipped in there while people weren't uh, weren't looking. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I hope this really excited people about the resolution process and gave them better insight into what we do every year. Um, I was going to say at convention, but really it starts before convention too. So, you know, start getting those juices going uh, members out there. If you have ideas, you can contact us now about resolutions you want to see go on to the floor in 2020. Um, we'd be happy to help you, you know, think about the ideas, write the ideas down, things like that. So, um, like, and the one like thing I, Mark, I sh oh, sorry, Claire, I don't, I, I, no, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I will only because I would be really rude. I'd even be ruder than I was to you just now <laughs> by interrupting you if I didn't mention uh, a shout out to our friend and colleague, uh, Gabe Griffith, Gabe, Gabe yes. Griffith, California, who would this year. And uh, the reason why it sort of slipped my mind is because this was a little bit of an innovation that we did this past year of having uh, two people sort of serve as co-chairs uh, instead of just putting it all on one person. And I will say that because of the, the overall workload, uh, sometimes that can be a lot. And I think some states, and I believe California, where Gabe is from, um, has done the, the, has used the method of having a couple people sort of serve as the chair role for that committee. And it just makes all the difference in the world in terms of being able to just handle the flow of stuff and meeting with people. So a big uh, shout out uh, of, of thanks to our friend and colleague Gabe Griffith for being mm -hmm. my co-chair this past year. That's great. Yeah. Shout out to Gabe for sure. Absolutely. Great. Again, if you want to find out more information about the resolutions from 2019 or any other year, you can visit acb.org slash resolutions. And if you have any suggestions to uh, or comments about the resolution process, uh, you can reach Claire and me at advocacy at acb.org. And a lot of the resolutions end up uh, leading to the work that Clark and myself are going to do. So, you know, I guess challenge accepted. Throw, throw is whatever you want at us. So <laughs> challenge accepted. This is what we call job <laughs> security. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. And, and it's exactly right. And I will also say now being an officer of this organization as a first vice president, um, you know, uh, you all who are members listening to us, uh, you all don't just get to boss Claire and Clark around with these resolutions or, or Eric. Uh, you get to boss around your elected officers <laughs> and board. I can't tell you how many resolutions are really not directed at the staff to hey, get hopping on writing a letter or going to see this or that person or take this or that position or do this or that report. Lots of the resolutions. I think if we go back and look, arguably the vast majority of them challenge not only the staff of the organizations, but the officers and board of directors to do certain things. And uh, so just, uh, just, just remember that. This isn't just about you know, uh, cracking the whip on uh, people in the central office or our national office, the reality of it is the membership's in charge here. And uh, if you mm -hmm. want to see us who are elected 
uh, you know, you, you obviously get to vote us in or vote us out if you don't like us crazy people. Uh, but, but in the meantime, you get to, uh, you, you all are the ones who are in charge and you get to tell us what to do. So with that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you, to Clark and Claire. Yeah. No, Mark, that's great. Thank you so much for your time to talk with us about the ECB resolution process. Yeah. It's my pleasure. As you can tell, I, I enjoy it probably far too much. I love it. So thanks again, everybody, for listening in and listen in for future episodes where we're going to get more in depth and in the weeds on a couple of the specific resolutions. So um, stay tuned for those upcoming episodes as well. Um, thanks again, everybody, for being and stay tuned for future episodes. And as we always say, Clark, what do we say? Keep advocating. <laughs> <laughs>